Welcome to High Stakes, I'm David Schifrin. Today we are catching up with our CEO, David Gerard, and a partner in our regional practice and leader of our M&A team, Isaac Squires, for a quick check-in on the state of healthcare mergers and acquisitions post-COVID, if that's a thing, and under the Biden administration. David and Isaac are watching this issue closely, as is our network of brokers and transaction attorneys and strategy experts across the country. So the short version that we're hearing is that even as there will be a lot of legal and regulatory wrangling, and we are not attorneys to be very clear here, we're communications experts, it's more important than ever to have a clear purpose and a clear story to tell about the value of care that hospitals provide and why a transaction is the right thing to do. So that's today's conversation. As always, subscribe to High Stakes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribing is the quickest and easiest way to get our thinking about M&A, communications, the future state of the industry, many other things, including even the occasional snarky real-life conversation from our team. Uh, that is plenty of self-promotion. So David, I'm going to step back and let you take over. Thanks, David. There's a lot of lessons that we're still learning as a result of the pandemic over the last year and its impact on hospitals and health systems and how it's going to affect what the industry looks like in the future. I mean, the common saying is that what's happened during the pandemic has not created a new future for healthcare, but it's accelerated trends that were already underway. And one of the trends certainly underway before the pandemic, before a year ago this month, was the consolidation of the industry, you know, players coming together to create a sense of scale and broad scope and an array of services so they could continue to uh, thrive and compete and provide care uh, as prices become more transparent, as dollars become more precious, as consumers begin to make choices about how they're going to spend their healthcare dollars. I, I think one of the lessons um, is that scale has proven to be valuable to organizations who had to suffer through the patient volume up and down over the course of the pandemic, it's been good to be big and it's been good to have a large P&L so you could absorb the financial challenges here. And what we're seeing here just you know, the first few months of 2021 is those organizations that were strong are beginning to get stronger and those that were weak continue to be weak and are challenged about the future are beginning to look ahead. At the same time, as we get on the other side of the pandemic, if, if you can even say that we're there, that we're beginning to enter a new chapter, maybe that's a better way to say it, um, it's clear to me at least that some of the halo that, that healthcare providers had is beginning to diminish in its protective shielding brightness and the scrutiny that healthcare organizations have for all things, but certainly including mergers and acquisitions, um, is only, only increasing. So it's it's an important conversation to have because I th I think it it's some of the hardwiring about the transition of the entire industry, the the space of merger and acquisition. So it's it's right that we're joined by Isaac Squires, my partner, who leads most of our M and A work here at, at the firm, to provide us uh, some real time and perspective on this uh, <laughs> on this topic. Isaac, jump in here. Yeah, I mean, I think just picking up on the halo, maybe not lasting forever for hospitals and health systems, I think is is really relevant as they consider the possibility of partnership and, and deals moving forward. You know, the imminent confirmation of Becerra and you read in the trade press and from talking to our network, you know, most people believe that there's going to be increased scrutiny. And I'll say from Washington 
right? You've got the FTC, which is continuing to look closely at mergers. There was one last week that was kind of called off as a result of FTC scrutiny, you know, mm-hmm. not under the purview of Becerra, but he'll be a major player in D.C. And so will, you know, his position in, in California on scrutiny of mergers, I think, really portends, you know, what will be coming out of D.C. You also have the added political layer of state legislatures and state AGs um, who will continue and, and I think maybe up their level of scrutiny of deals. And I think maybe even maybe as important, some could argue more important, is a pandemic-related challenge simply coming from the fact that the people, the doctors, the nurses, the staff at hospitals are exhausted. And how do you bring them along in an exploration of a potential partnership and then really importantly into an integration if you're able to get the deal done? So I think the considerations and the constituencies that have to be managed and communicated with never more important and and frankly, never more challenging. Everyone has become an expert on healthcare in the last uh, year. Uh, The media, the public, obviously it's all over the news. Everybody thinks they know how it works now. And so as deals are considered, I think the spotlight is going to be increasingly bright and the, and the need to really communicate the value of what we're setting out to do, both internally and externally, is going to just be critical. All right. So, so talk about that because you know, those use the words scrutiny and spotlight and, and transparency. When these deals are scrutinized more closely going forward, what is the scrutiny going to be examining? What are we looking for uh, now that we may have not looked as closely at in the past? Well, I think, um, you know, I'll try to leave the lawyering to the lawyers, you know, so just briefly there, right? They're going to be looking at, you know, whether or not they're anti-competitive and and they'll put things through, you know, the lens there, of course. You know, I think beyond that, hospitals have demonstrated their value like never before in the last year. People have great affinity uh, for them. You know, today they may be a little frustrated with them because they're not getting the vaccines. People may perceive a little bit that, that hospitals maybe could be doing that a little bit faster. But I think nonetheless, right, the access to health care, the ability to have quality care is going to be on the minds of the consumer. And they are going to want to know what a potential deal means to them, their families, and the future of their care in their community. Um, internally, I think, you know, going back to a year ago and, and even since, right, PPE and all kinds of questions about the availability of resources to treat patients in who have COVID. I think people are internally are going to be saying, what does this mean for, for, for the kind of care that we can provide? A lot of hospitals went through uh, layoffs or furloughs. So, you know, even systems that would have never considered that in the past, right? So mergers and acquisitions inherently raise questions about what is this going to do for the workforce? Those things may be fresh on the minds of people who've been through that. Um, So I think internally the scrutiny is going to be what does this mean for me, even more than it ever has uh, in the past. It's interesting. What you're describing is a more consumer-oriented examination of whether mergers and acquisitions between some of these larger health systems is, is worth it. If, if there's actually value 
you use the word value, and I assume value means outcome and pricing and accessibility. And I love your last point, even jobs. Is, is, it, is it worth all that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the fun part about what we uh, do is tell a story. And so telling the story of the potential partnership and providing the context and the information around why a partnership makes sense. You know, we love doing that. And I think that's what we have to tell the stories of these partnerships in really meaningful ways to the people who are going to be looking at these things from their own personal perspective. You know, the patient, um, am am I going to be able to get more access to specialty care? You know, from the nurse, what is this going to do to bedside ratios, things like that. Those kinds of questions really matter to people. So telling the story of the potential partnership is going to be fun, but really, really necessary. Really necessary. And uh, I I love your thoughts on this. I I think one of the reasons it'll be necessary is because there are, in a sense, new power centers than there were before the the pandemic. I think we've seen, certainly seen, the rise of nursing unions, for example, labor unions, express their voice. I, I think about some of the racial inequalities that have become so clear during the pandemic as being a key element that has to be part of the story going forward, how that's going to be addressed or fixed. There's a lot more audiences and nuances to consider possibly now than there were a year ago or certainly five years ago in putting a deal together. No, I think that's right. People's view of the power of healthcare and the importance of it, I think, has been underscored over the course of the last year. We've also done three surveys now of, of consumers and sort of who do they trust for information, and doctors and nurses remain with hospitals at the top of the list, right? So getting your doctors uh, and nurses to understand what the partnership is, what it means, so that they can be advocates in, in sharing the story is, I think, really important. And the, the surveys that we've done really underscore the importance of engaging with your internal audiences and bringing them along in the journey through a partnership effort. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the survey. And those audiences in particular are those messengers in particular. And on that list, nurses, doctors, hospitals, who's number one on the list as the most influential voice? Well, it's, I think, a statistical tie between doctors uh, and nurses. Uh, doctors and nurses, meaning, meaning literally a person who wears a white coat as opposed to a large brick building constructed in the 1950s. People matter. People, people. want to hear from people. <laughs> I think that's important. It is for sure. And I think the nurses unions it is an issue to be mindful of for sure. Yeah. We've seen increased activity lately. I think that we can expect that to continue. And for those sort of quote unquote, outside influencers to be looking to get the inside messengers on their side, as opposed to the side of the deal. So really being thoughtful and uh, deliberate about engaging with those folks who actually provide the care to get them on the side of of the merger, if you will, on the side of the acquisition, on the side of the partnership to understand it and to say, this is going to be good for healthcare is going to be, I think, really, really important. And it's not just getting the deal done. It's also important because 
the rubber meets the road in integration. And you're talking about bringing uh, organizations together, and it's the people who really make those things successful in terms of the integration efforts. So getting them engaged early and bringing them along really creates an on-ramp to actually realize the value and the benefits and, and the great things that can be achieved from you know a deal. Yeah, I agree. And I'll add to that. I, at least I have found in our M&A work that the story that we have to create related to a merger or an acquisition or a purchase is actually part of a bigger story, which is the vision of the system and how it needs to deliver care in the community. If it's, if it's just about a transaction, it feels like a transaction um, where we're putting Excel spreadsheets together and, and seeing how the numbers move. But if it's part of a bigger story, people can feel part of that. They want to be part of that much more than they want to be part of a, a business deal. Yeah, no, I don't know that anybody necessarily really gets excited about a big dollar value because they don't necessarily sort of understand what those dollars mean. So if you can translate the value into something meaningful for people in terms of what it means to them, not just, you know, this is going to be a several hundred million dollars uh, is going to change hands or it really bringing that to the point of we're going to be able to expand these kinds of services. We're going to be able to provide more care in communities that we're not able to reach now to increase access. We're going to be able to bring this kind of new facility. Those are the kinds of things that make those the big dollars that no one can wrap their heads around. That's what makes them meaningful. Yes. So Isaac, you're, you're so close to this sector uh, of the industry or this this trend in the industry. What are you hearing from your contacts, the brokers and law firms and other folks that you deal with out there? Are they expecting more, less? What are what are boards wrestling with now? Well, you know, we we're fortunate to have a lot of friends who, and we, we are hearing from our clients and from our network around the country that they're no one is projecting there to be fewer partnerships and deals. There's most people think that they're going to kind of pick up over the course of the year, sort of in terms of the volume. And I think that's uh, important. You said, David, you know, the pandemic has accelerated the trend. I think things have kind of sort of leveled out for a little bit. And now I think they're going to be picking up in mm-hmm. the coming months. Number one, so, so more exploration, more partnerships being considered. And I think people generally believe the environment is going to be certainly as difficult and likely more difficult, going back to that word scrutiny, that there's going to be more scrutiny. Our our broker and law firm friends pointed to the change in administration, uh, likely more scrutiny from DOJ, the Sarah's influence, the increasing propensity of state legislatures and AGs to get involved. And that doesn't even include this exhaustion issue of staff and and physicians, you know, bringing them along. Why make one more change after we've just been through the most grueling year in the history of healthcare? So I think people are feeling like there are going to be more more exploration, more partnerships considered, and that it isn't going to be easier uh, than it was before the pandemic. And so to your point earlier, if then given all of that, if there's going to be a deal, it better be a good deal. It's got to be a deal that makes sense for the future of healthcare in an area and in, a, in communities. And it has to make financial sense. Buyers are going to yeah. be a very discerning. So it needs to check all the boxes. It can't just be 
a scale play for the sake of making a scale play. It really has to make sense from a strategic perspective and be able to um, be clearly articulated about how we're going to, as you put it, you know, make care better, look to lower cost, really achieve what, what we say we're going to do. We've got to actually do it and, and you can't pay lip service to it. Yeah, we've, we've uh, actually got to deliver. We, meaning uh, the industry, has got to actually deliver the promise of, of what's in an M&A. Absolutely. Um, and that's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a good test for all of us who care about making healthcare better. That's for sure. Isaac, thank you for this. It's a great conversation. Good check-in. Enjoyed it. I always do. And uh, I think this is one of those topics that's going to continue to be pretty hot for the coming year, especially as, as volume picks up and yeah. You know, it's going to be a, a continued conversation and I look forward to having more of them. 